Hello again, my friends, and welcome to back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, also known as The Informed Catholic. So today we're going to do the readings for the 19th Sunday of Ordinary Time. We're going to do the 19th Sunday of Ordinary Time readings for Mass, and um, it is the second cycle of, that is year B. We have three cycles for Sunday. We have a two-year cycles for weekdays. So if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. So let's begin with our opening prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elision, Kiri Elision, Kiri Elision. Christe Elision, Christe Elision, Christe Elision. Kiri Elision, Kiri Elision, Kiri Elision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. In case anyone doesn't know, the Kyrie Elysion and Christe Elysion, that part of the Mass is in Greek. That comes from the Greek tradition of the Church. Okay, so now we move on to the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. You take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. You alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know if I messed up at the top, but it's actually episode 147, not 148. So it's on episode 147 and the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Okay. So the first reading is from the first book of Kings. Chapter 19, verse 40, uh, 4, 4 to 8. Strengthened by th that, uh, st strengthened by the food, he walked in the mountain of, he walked to the mountain of God. Okay, this is about Elijah. First reading from the first book of Kings. Elijah went a day's journey into the desert until he came to a broom tree and sat beneath it. He prayed for death, saying, This is enough. O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than, than my father's. He 
he lay down and fell asleep under the broom tree. But then an angel touched him and ordered him to get up and eat. Elijah looked, and there at his head was a hearth cake and a jug of water. After he ate and drank, he lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and ordered, Get up and eat, else the journey will be too long for you. He got up, ate, and drank. Then, then strengthened by that food, he walked forty days and forty nights to the mountain of God, Horeb. All right, let's read it one more time. Elijah went a day's journey into the desert until he came to a broom tree and sat beneath it. He prayed for death, saying, This is enough, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He lay down and fell asleep under the broom tree. But then an angel touched him and ordered him to get up and eat. Elijah looked, and there at, at his head was a, a hearth cake and a jug of water. And after he ate and drank, he lay down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and ordered, Get up and eat, else the journey will be too long for you. He got up, ate, and drank. Then strengthened by that food, he walked 40, 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God, Horeb. Word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So, um, let's just basically set up the scene in this book. Elijah runs out in the desert. This is, um, this is because of this situation uh, he was dealing with, with King Ahab and Jezebel. Um, after, this is after the, the battle where he, the context, the contest, excuse me, the contest where he, you know, offered the sacrifice to Yahweh and then challenged the priests of Baal to offer a sacrifice to Baal. And of course, you know, the priests of Baal, they were offering a sacrifice to challenge. They cut themselves, they danced around the altar, they did all the crazy, I guess you can say, uh, wild uh, things to call down Baal. The idea was, let's see who will consume the sacrifice without setting it on fire. That's, I forgot to mention that part. They offered the sacrifice, but Baal would have to come and consume the sacrifice himself. Elijah laid back, mocked them. Maybe he went on a long walk or something, or he's asleep. He said things like that, and they were exhausted. They couldn't Baal couldn't Baal did not take the sacrifice, come down on his own and set fire to the altar. Elijah did. And uh we should um Elijah did set fire uh I mean he didn't set fire, he offered the sacrifice. And it was the wood was he had the wood uh wet. Four um jugs of water were poured over the wood 
several times. The four, I remember the four jugs of water uh, represented the uh, four gospels. That's one, uh, one of the commentary I re- uh, that said that. The wood represented the cross. Uh, the sacrifice rep- represented the future sacrifice of Christ. The, it was a bull they offered. Uh, also because the bull represents the symbol of the priesthood. And also represents the, like, you know, it's a symbol for St. Luke's gospel. Also, Elijah represents uh, the priest at the altar, Christ himself. And I believe they poured seven. It was also there was 12 stones that were set up for the altar, which represents the 12 apostles. And the seven the uh, the water represents baptism, the sac- the sacrament of baptism, and the seven, the the seven times they brought the water to pour over the, I believe it was over the over the um, the the wood, represents the seven sacraments, and of course, Elijah prayed, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy, the Holy Spirit of God came down, fire from heaven, representing the Holy Spirit, consumed it. Of course that got Jezebel angry, and Elijah had to make a run for it. And in the context, Elijah comes to a shrub, a tree called a broom tree, which <clears throat> probably is almost, could be could be almost similar. I could be wrong, but the shrub tree is basically, it's a, it's a, it's a, related to a bean tree I read, and it represents, uh, it survives in the desert, and it has a remarkability remarkable ability to remain green under difficult conditions. Uh, And he stays under the shrub of this broom tree. Now, um, the angel of God comes with a jug of water and a cake, a bread, and to help strengthen Elijah. And he keeps bringing him this uh, he brings him this uh, this this food to strength to strengthen him for his long journey. That we can we can relate to um, as people of faith. How difficult it is for us to walk into the wilderness, especially in a culture of unbelief. Um, I know it's difficult for me, and I know it has to be difficult for other people because it can be very extremely lonely. It's very lonely. Especially, you know, living in New York City, dealing with a very liberal city with a lot of liberal cultural values, where it's basically not politically correct to be a conservative Christian or a conservative Catholic. It's very lonely. Elijah felt like that. He felt abandoned. He felt that the people of Israel stopped believing. And the wilderness is is basically the world. We live in an unbelieving world, people. We live in an unbelieving world, a world that does not care to believe. We're looking for a world where we want to believe. We, maybe it's a selfish thing, maybe it's a dream, but it's we live in a world of unbelief and we live in a world of ugliness. 
We live in a world where people want to create a world without God. They want to create a world without morality. They want justice without God. They want morality or they want to create their own version of morality without God. You can't do it. You can't do it. Okay? You can't do it. We need we need a Christian culture. We need a Christian culture. I mean, the other day there was a, a Christian theologian, apologist, and he said something completely smart, uh, completely that I believe is a <clears throat> excuse me, obvious observation. Now we live in the world where they are saying there's no male or female, but then they're saying a person can choose to be either male or female. In order for you to choose or to define the difference between male and female and actually to choose something, you have to have a standard to choose by. How can you make a choice if you'd say there is no choice? You see what I'm saying? The way they think? You have to have a standard to choose by. An obvious standard that's set in stone in order for you to defy it and say you can you can be whatever you want to be. Because you can't say there is no difference when obviously you are stating that there is a difference. It's, you know, it, it, it's an obvious fact that this is the kind of world we lived in. And Elijah, the cult of Baal, uh, according to archaeologists, they believe it was a sexual cult. They even practiced child sacrifice. In the kingdom, I think, of um, Ahab, which I believe was a, a northern kingdom, he married to a Phoenician, a Phoenician princess, and she was a, a, a priestess, Jezebel. Her name, Bell, shows that she's priestess of Bell. That's what, look at her name, Bell. And it was a fertility and cult god that demanded child sacrifice. And the Israelites fell into that in the northern part of the kingdom. Then um, it started to spread. But it did not destroy the faith because there were Israelites secretly rebelling and who remained faithful to Yahweh. Elijah just didn't. You know, he didn't look for them. But this is basically what's happening now in the Catholic Church. The Novus Ordo consecration is valid in every way. It's valid. We cannot call it not valid because that, remember, this is Christ's church. And as much as these modernists wanted to change the mass by introducing things that are not valid like communion in the hands... Communion of hands is not written in any Vatican II document. This was a, a heresy, a heresy that was introduced by the modernists to Protestantize the Catholic Church. We should demand that our bishops return back to communion on the tongue. And also, another thing that's not valid is the priest facing the people. The priest, the priest is supposed to be ad orientum, leading us in prayer or facing east, if it's possible, 
maybe some of these churches were not built in that way. Now, Elise facing the tabernacle properly, he should be doing that. The this was also a rebellion against, excuse me for clearing my throat, rebellion against the church, against the, against the authority of Christ. The priest facing the people becomes human-centered. The priest is supposed to face east, or at least face the tabernacle, leading us in prayer. It's like, imagine if your kid's on a school bus and the school bus driver decided to turn around while the bus is in motion and starts entertaining you. Well, that's what happens. The priest becomes a DJ. He's concerned about, his focus is no longer on God. It's on the people. The Novus Ordo has the capacity to be done reverently. It can be done reverently. It should be done reverently. It shouldn't be a sideshow. And the reason why I'm bringing this up in this part of the podcast is because that's the problem. Our Novus Ordo masses are sideshows. There have, have you seen on YouTube, there's a, especially uh, complacent clergy, there's... There have been in, in San Francisco gay masses, naked gay masses, clown masses. They had people dancing naked. Yeah. They had there's even a Norisota where it practically become a disco concert with nuns acting stupid. And the priests were dancing at the altar. That's not right. That's that 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 this is this is a human centered mass. It is not a reverent, proper reverent mass. It is, uh, that's why people go to the uh, Latin masses. I understand that. Although when I complained about <clears throat> the, um, the division that some of the people in the Latin masses, many of them, I think, did do wrong. Where they should have been doing both mass, both liturgies, the Nova Soto and the traditional Latin mass. The idea it was, Benedict wanted was for us, for the traditional Latin mass crowd to convert the Novus Ordo to proper reference. Some of these guys, they were very, very, I mean, I think they had an agenda and they decided to run with it. The reaction of Pope Francis, unfair. I think what he did was wrong to, um, to put restrictions on the Latin Mass, I don't think that was a right thing to do, and especially since I read, I read the document uh, more carefully, saying that they should be in a separate place by themselves, not in the same parish, is totally cruel. I disagree with that one. Okay, let's move on to the Psalm. Okay, Psalm thirty-four, and the response is: Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. 
Look to him that you may be radiant with joy, and your face may now blush with shame. When the afflicted man called out, the Lord heard, and from all his distress he saved him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and deliver delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Blessed the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Okay, one more time. Psalm 34. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy. Add your faces and your faces may not blush with shame. When the afflicted man called out, the Lord heard, and from all his distress, and he saved him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Blessed the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Okay, and our reading now is from um, from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Walk in love just like Christ. Uh, it's chapter 4, verse 30, and it goes into chapter 5, verse 2. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and uh, rev uh, reveling must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, as God has forgiven you in Christ. So be imitators of God as as beloved, as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. All right, one more time. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with, with, with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, fury, Anger, shouting, uh, reviling must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, as God has forgiven you in Christ. So, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God for a fragrant aroma. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So even in Paul's day, in among the Ephesians, there were problems. Um, family problems, neighbor problems, uh, ego problems. So, and the Christian life obviously demands us to imitate Christ. Paul imitates Christ and this is something that's important and the most important imitation of Christ following the footsteps of Christ, the rule of Christ, the law of Christ is love. And I think the biggest problem I think for us Christians to struggle, the hardest part is prayer. I think we we need to develop a culture of prayer. It's obvious. I mean, even I struggle with prayer, but uh, I've been checking out the writings of St. Louis de Montfort. He was a one of the uh, greatest, I think, uh, Marian priests and a, a rosary. He basically promoted the rosary. The rosary, I think, is it's probably the best one. I try to pray it every morning. I do it on my way to work. And um, it's it's a it's a struggle. It's a it's a a manner I think of cultivating a habit of prayer. And Monfort's writings, he says that just as Mary, being the immaculate conception was uh, conce- uh, the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit the incarnation conception of Christ in her God the Holy Spirit will also do the same thing in us but obviously we're not going to you know, conceive Jesus the way she did physically but it, she didn't just conceive him physically she conceived him also supernaturally in her soul, she in, you know, we, you know, in a sense, she became God, not that she is another deity, but in the sense that she, the, the, her soul, her mind, her, her very psyche, her very being reflected the image of the divine Jesus. And this also will happen in us. We, you know, when we receive communion, when we uh, practice the gospel, when we also pray the rosary, when we also practice love and forgiveness, we become more and more of our Lord. And the idea is to become more and more like Christ, to put on the image of Christ, to conceive the image of Christ psychologically, mentally, emotionally, and in nature, we become more like him. And if you look at it, that's what all the saints did. That's what all the saints did. St. Francis of Assisi, St. Louis Montfort, St. Paul, St. Peter, St. Mary Magdalene, St. Joseph, all of them put on Christ, became Christ, conceived Christ, mentally became Christ, emotionally became Christ, 
in manners they became Christ. And that is that is the, that is the the way, because if it happens in her, it will also happen in us if we are serious and we are truly committed. And that's the important thing. I think the hardest problem is is a lot of us Catholics are not doing this. I mean, if we truly believe that the Eucharist is Jesus, then we truly should become Jesus. We have to read the gospel. We have to practice the scriptures. We have to pray the rosary. And this means time. And of course, I know, I know myself, it's hard. It's very difficult. I try to listen to Christian stuff on my phone. I try to read. I, I try the best I can to do it. It's difficult. But if you love him, we'll do it. Okay, let's move on to the gospel. All right. The gospel antiphon, the Alleluia, is from John chapter 6, verse 51. Alleluia, Alleluia. I am the living bread that come that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Alleluia, Alleluia. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Alleluia, Alleluia. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6, verse 41 to 51. The Jews murmured about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop mummering among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draw him. And I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except the one who is from God. He has seen the father. Amen. Amen. I say to you, whoever be believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to read this one more time. The Jews murmured about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of David? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop mummering among yourselves. No one 
can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him up, raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate this, ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that, came, that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my, is my flesh for the life of the world. Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. In the beginning of this uh, podcast, I mentioned... Uh, the problems with the Novus Ordo Masses, and it's true. All right. And there has been lots of irreverence since my conversion. I remember one time, uh, this was at uh, St. Catherine of Alexandria. It's a, it's my old neighborhood by closer to Sunset Park. Um, it's right on Fort Hamilton Parkway. Uh, it's between, uh, it's right like right down the road past Utrecht Avenue. It's a beautiful old church. It has a very classic Gothic style, probably originally set up by um, Irish Americans, I would imagine, the style itself. And there's a few, um, I mean, there's also Italian Americans. It's a beautiful, beautiful church. It has a, a little uh, Lord's shrine that hardly ever gets visited. I remember in the lower chapel one day, and there was this priest. He was probably the first priest in that parish I, uh, that I remembered. I never was close with him, but he started to have some, I guess, personal losses, like he lost a brother, and I guess it must have really affected him because I guess maybe that was his last family member. And um, one day there was a, um, he was saying mass in the St. Francis Chapel, they called it down below. And there was this family of Italian family. Um, and during, during the um, mass, uh, the liturgy of the Eucharist, for some reason, the family, I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was a funeral or something. I, I can't remember. But they started talking, talking. And I think, I don't know if it was in Italian, I think it was. And it was during the during the liturgy of the Eucharist, during Holy Communion, when we were receiving communion. And the priest, he bursted out very angry. And I, I, I noticed it. They would... They, they, they were doing this during, you know, whatever it is. They were having a debate. Unfortunately, this is something I notice a lot. 
in enormous ordo. The the there's you know you see people receive communion, and they leave. <clears throat> I remember Scott Hahn's wife called it the called it the Judas shuffle. Um. I I remember when um uh, with Father Richard at Our Lady of Good Counsel, I would help um distribute Holy Communion. And I remember a man walked up and just took it from my hand. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I was a little troubled by a lot of the behavior. I mean, I was troubled by the behavior of people receiving Holy Communion. I was actually troubled. My problems began with the Catholic Church after my conversion. I really didn't go through an RCIA program. Father Richard just streamlined me through. Um, he baptized me and, and everything. I didn't go through the the training and everything like that because I really I already decided I didn't want to waste any time. I wanted to become Catholic. Now, maybe I should have taken my time, most likely, because I already did all all the readings. I read everything about Catholicism. I, I, I decided I wanted it. I wanted to become Catholic. I didn't want to waste any time. I wanted to be, because I didn't want anything to come along to change my mind. But of course, my biggest problem wasn't wasn't the real presence. My biggest problem wasn't at all Marian devotion or the rosary or the Immaculate Conception or praying to Mary or Joseph or the saints. That wasn't my problem. My problem became the scandals. My problem became... I would say the scandals of the priesthood, the bad, the bad behavior of the priest, the evil behavior of bad priests, and I would say probably scripture because I didn't, you know, like I said, I, I, most of my attitude about the Bible came from Protestantism, basically because because Protestants placed the Bible, and since the Bible was the knowledge, the source we get the about the gospel and Jesus Christ. But the biggest problem for me was, I would say, um, authority obeying bad clergy. That was my biggest problem because I couldn't separate the authority of Christ from the lack of impeccability, I would say, of the clergy. The contradiction that came from them. That was where my problem was. Okay, that was my problem. And my problem was, how could an evil man, how could someone who did such evil things um, molest, sexually abuse, molest, can be able to consecrate the body and blood of Christ, can be able to go to the altar and still say Mass, and still that the Holy Spirit could work through someone like that. That was my problem. I couldn't separate the evil wickedness and 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 see the, the glory of Christ, the power of Christ. You see, that was my problem. And I had to learn that. That took me a while to learn. Because you have to go back to the Old Testament. You have to go back to a lot of the sons of Aaron who did evil things and they still, the, the, the scripture does not, does not 
put limits on power of God. That was my problem. I put limits on God. I made the evil wickedness of these men, and I thought, wow, they're 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 blocking God. They're blocking the holiness of God. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. The church has survived 2,000 years. And I had to be able to understand that Christ's glory surpasses that of the evil wickedness of these men. And yes, we've had bad popes. We've had lots of evil popes. It does not put an, it's not an impediment on Christ. You know, and it was difficult. It was very difficult for me. And this is where I had to learn to see that the sacraments are holy. And they will not, like you can't put an impediment and say that the child was not baptized or the couple is not married. It's sad when the man is evil. It really is. An example would be even a president of the United States, the man is evil, but laws, but whatever he does, you can't take away the good. The good, let's say, of some things he does, despite the fact of his evil. And the, the problem is, is that we don't question that as often. We don't question that. Um, among secularists, we don't, right? The law is the law, despite a, a judge's um, scandalous personal life. Right. And kings have done the same thing. Kings, you know, the authority of the king is still a king, even though a king like, say, someone, Henry VIII, has done many cruel and horrible things publicly and privately. But still, it doesn't negate the laws. It doesn't it doesn't uh, do that. And it's 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 a difficult thing for us. But I think it's hard because when we for some reason, I think the devil does this to us. He wants us to question, to question these, these events, these things that happen. He wants us to, to doubt, to put, to, to doubt Jesus. Judas Iscariot is a good example and we often forget him and we're often I think we, we tend to look at the 30 pieces of silver, the kiss, but we don't realize he spent almost three years with our Lord. And along with the apostles, we have to remember also St. Peter himself, who denied him three times. All of them, including Judas, along with Simon Peter, all of them baptized people, all of them, uh, performed miracles they chased out the devil you know performed exorcisms healed the sick gave gave sight to the blind so we don't put a doubt on on that one but then again we look at judas and we think how can that possibly be well it's not him it's christ it's christ simon peter uh gets a pass but yet he denied our Lord three times. He didn't just deny our Lord. He cursed our Lord. I don't know who this effing 
man is. I don't know him. He practically said that if you look at the Gospels. He swore. Meaning he cursed. And yet, he did perform all those things and later on he was restored. Judas Iscariot, you know, did the same thing. I mean, his the problem, the differences between them is that Simon was, Simon Peter, was repentant. Judas wasn't. Judas despaired. You know, it's 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 hard to believe, but when you look at someone, Simon Peter, and you think, wow, he did that. But I relate more with him, I think, than anything else. Judas is is, is a is a figure that sometimes I think <clears throat> I think he gets a pass from more from psychological guilt. Because they say Pope Francis has Images of Judas. He says supposedly he has some some. Um, I'm going to say a um, blasphemous image of Christ carrying Judas after he hanged himself, because I believe a lot of these clergy know what they're doing. Know that everything that they're doing is evil. So they 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 psychologically relate to the man who they know. By their actions, they Peter Peter doesn't Peter Peter is a man who was redeemed. Remember when our Lord asked him three times, "Do you love me?" And a third time, Simon Peter groaned. That was the Trinity asking Peter. And yet, the sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, is in their hands. It comes through their consecrated hands. The body and blood of our Lord. And yes, it makes sense that these men would not put a stop to Holy Communion being given to politicians who support immoral things. Abortion, contraception, gay marriage. It makes sense. How can they make, they, they, they know their own hypocrisy. They see their own, they know that, they, I mean, let's look at it. Who is, bears the greater guilt really here, right? The one who pretends to be holy and is absolutely completely hypocritical. The one who professes publicly to be Catholic and supports immoral things. Wow. And then we have to examine ourselves when we look at those two. We have to examine our own holiness. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing. It's a completely frightening thing because you have to ask yourself. Remember what our Lord said. You know, it's, you know, one decided to take the vestments, the holy vestments of Christ and claim and, 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 and hold the position of successor to the apostles. Meanwhile, at the same time, inwardly practicing evil things and, hi and, and hiding behind the vestments of Christ and the priesthood. The other one <clears throat> is a fellow lay Catholic who, you know, both Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, 
John Kerry, and many other Catholic politicians who publicly profess their immoral behavior. It's it's a it's a, you know when you when you think about it, <clears throat> wow. The state of the church is a mess. You know, but it's with these men. It's it's mostly uh, that is the priests. It's mostly um, well sexual. Saint Peter Damien in his book, the a Book of Gomorrah would ask the question to these um, homosexuals back in the medieval times when there was a homosexual problem in the priesthood back then. Oh, you, um, sodomite, what is it that you're so desperate to find in the arms of another man that you can't find in your own manhood? Wow. Wow. We have to examine, examine ourselves really seriously. We have to examine ourselves seriously about the, about our sins. It's not an easy thing. We also have to really be saints, struggle to be saints. And to be a saint means to become more like Christ. There are things that are out of our control. The authority, the clergy situation, all we can do is pray. Um, the situation in politics is also out of our hands, but all we can do is we have to make our presence known as Catholics and our failure as Catholics is to make a good Catholic culture. But thankfully, thank God, things are changing. Um, the last two weeks, I discovered a whole new generation of young Catholics. Young people who you would never suspect would be devout Catholics. There's a young lady, a lovely young lady by the name of Amber Rose. You should check her, her, her YouTube channel, The Religious Hippie. And she has a podcast, which is fantastic. It's called The Catholic Perspective. Her name is Amber Rose. She also goes by the name The Religious Hippie. It sounds funny and hilarious, but <clears throat> I don't know if I would say um religious because the term religious can mean anything but yeah she's she's really smart and she just recently came back to the faith um <clears throat> and i can see um why her podcast would be very popular because she speaks to the younger generation a generation which i can't relate to anymore because i'm 50 now <laughs> you know i just became 50 a couple of weeks ago back in july so uh yeah So, and there's a, and there's a lot of them and she goes, she is a, uh, she goes to a, to the Trinitine mass. So it's true that a lot of the younger generation are heading towards 
the Trinity Mass because the the Novus Ordo just doesn't do it. They they don't like the irreverence. They don't like the way the Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament, is being treated. They don't like the uh, the communion in the hands, which I don't like either. They don't like the irreverence that the Novus Ordo uh, produces because it's it's made. I hate to say it. Like I said, it can be done reverently, but it has a tendency to be irreverent. It has, it has a tendency to be, to be irreverent. You can see this irreverence, not just in the people in the pews, because it's a, it's, it's a, it's a streamlined speed mass. It's a, uh, like a conveyor belt. The music is bad. Okay. The music is terrible. It's terrible music. I'm sick and tired of the guitars. I'm sick and tired of the of the so-called uh, folk style music. I'm sick and tired of it. All right. I'm sick and tired of this terrible music. And also, I'm tired of the priests. I don't want to hear about your personal reflections. I don't want to hear about your per I don't want to hear about your private life. All right, I don't want to hear what books you're reading or movies you're watching. Stick to the scripture passages. Talk about what's in the scripture passage. And you know what? They don't do it. So guess what? Younger people, I mean, the, the German princess the other day by John Henry Weston, uh, Gloria, her name is, she said she didn't, she didn't want to go to mass because she hated the music. And she said, if I want to listen to guitar music, I'll go to a... A Rolling Stone concert. I'm not going to listen to to that. Yeah. It's it's stuck in a hippie world. It's stuck in an in the Peter Paul and Mary world. And, you know, it's in their utopia world. The the, the mass was designed to try to attract Protestants. And and other religions. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Stop it. Be more Catholic. Put back Catholic culture in there. Put back Catholic faith. Give us the Catholic faith. And not only that, I don't know if any of you have noticed, they don't even say the Nessian Creed anymore. It's always the Apostles' Creed now. These guys want to run. These priests want to get it over with. They 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 have mass one. Um, we're supposed to have a high mass at least once a week on a Sunday, and even that's too much for them. I mean, they don't, I mean, no wonder nobody goes to Mass anymore. It's just ridiculous. That's why there's a lot of irreverence. That's a lot of, that's why there's a lot of sacrilegious behavior. I mean, seriously, these guys don't care. They're on a vacation constantly. And they look like they're they're exhausted and tired and worn out and beaten. Even for God, they don't it is too much for them. It's amazing. That's why the attack on the Latin Mass. They can't swallow their own failure. They can't swallow it. It's too big of a red pill for them to admit that they're killing the church. 
So they have to nuke the Latin mass. Now, for the Latin mass crowd, don't think you're completely out of it. I work in a museum. They have beautiful exhibits. Sometimes, once in a while, they bring in a fantastic exhibit from the Renaissance days or from some period in, in Europe where they'll bring in beautiful art, beautiful paintings, beautiful icons or something. You'll get the people that go in there that really want to connect with it. Now, let's imagine you have a beautiful painting. Let's say some a religious painting of Christ. You get people who come in who really connect to it, who really connect to the artwork. Emotionally, psychologically, reverently. But then you're going to get the crowd that comes in and looks at it aesthetically. They love it, but it's from an aesthetic per perspective. They don't connect with it religiously. They connect with it purely on an aesthetic, artistic basis. That's the difference. You can see the difference in those crowds. You can see them. Those people, the ones who connect with it spiritually, are the ones you're going to see at a Latin Mass who are going to really connect with Christ. The ones aesthetically are the ones who will watch from a distance and they just love, they love it, but they don't love it in a spiritual sense. Those are the ones that in a sense, like, don't, you know, there's no substance. There's no spiritual substance in them. They're there just for the beauty. But you'll never see them on their knees. That's a difference. That's, that's the difference between the two. And that's the problem with what was going on with the Latin Mass, is that you get a lot of people who, in a sense, love the art for us, love the, love the Mass for aesthetic reasons, but not for Christ. Not for any, for Christ. It's like a politician, really. A politician, they're more like related to the politician who claims to be Catholic, but it inwardly is not a Catholic. Their religion is politics. They need they need they need the Catholic to get them voted, because they look they think very little of real Catholics, and that's what Nancy Pelosi's problem is. She wants the shallow Catholic, and she's going to get it. She's going to get the shallow Catholic. She's going to get him. She'll get the Norma Sordo crowd. You know, she'll get the Norma Sordo crowd. But the, you know, but the Orthodox Catholic, that's the one who studies the catechism, who studies the faith, who studies everything. You know, maybe they may, they may not go to, a, they don't have access to a Latin mass like me. But then again, she'll get the Novus Ordo, the shallow ones. She'll get their vote. And that's why, that's why the, 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 the traditional land mass crowd need to focus on evangelism. You're not going to win if you don't focus on evangelism. You need to focus on evangelism. You need to focus on the liturgy. 
And that's what I, you know, I'm really talking to people about the faith. Taylor Marshall does it, but I do feel he's a little disconnected with the reality of people's lives in some cases. I think he, he always says, him and Tim Gordon, they're still quite alike. You know, they'll still say, get to a Latin mass. They don't understand it's not that easy. It's not that easy for some people. They don't have access to it. You know, living in New York City, you know, commuting on the train is not going to be that easy, you know, for people. I mean, trust me, Sunday, Sunday commutes are terrible. Alrighty. Um, but really, we need, we need to have more reverence. We need to demand. I believe the best way to start is demand better reverence demand better a, a more reverent Norris Ordo and I think we should also demand that Camille and the Hand should stop I think we should also demand that the priest face at Orientum okay towards the altar we should stop this and also get rid of the hippie music Get rid of the, the guitar. Get rid of... Bring in Gregorian chants. All right? Bring in Gregorian chants. Demand better reverence. And people should also... We should also start dressing better. In order, in, 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 um, no resorto. Okay. Flip-flops. Beer t-shirts. I've been guilty of superhero t-shirts. I've been guilty. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not innocent of this, but yes, you know, we sh we need to do this. We need, we need this because we're losing. We're losing. All right. And a lot of these old, old, tired, Novus Ordo priests. Yes. I'm being serious. If you're not going to change your attitude, if you're not going to change your, 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 your behavior towards the mass, if you're going to look to streamline, I'm, I'm really serious. Looking at you guys, listening to you guys, you're tiring me out. Okay. I can see how tired and I can see the, the lack, the lack of enthusiasm in it. Get out of the way. Let the young priests take over. Let them. They're, they're desperate to renew the church. They're desperate that you guys get out of the way. Okay, you guys, have, you guys are killing the church. Okay, with your bad preaching, with whatever modernist nonsense you learn from seminary, because it's obviously it shows you don't really believe in the church. You don't believe in the in 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 the the Catholic faith because you can't hide it. You can't hide it. All right. Let's look into, let, let's, let's go into our closing prayers. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, 
consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's say a, um, let's say a Hail Mary for the priests. All right. A lot of those who, um, yes, they do suffer from maybe personal problems, maybe from, uh, spiritual crisis, uh, maybe from struggling with sin. Let's say a Hail Mary for them. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's say a prayer for the bishops. The bishops, they need. They definitely need a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And let's say a prayer for those um, seminarians who, uh, unfortunately, they're going to go into a, a world where it's run by evil. All right, evil, evil people, um, sodomites, um, homosexual predators. You know, they're they're predators. They they want to conform other people to their sins. Let's say a prayer for those conservative, holy seminarians. Um, that the Holy Spirit will guide them, okay, and become priests, and that that may one day the Holy Spirit will put them in a position of leadership where they can lead the church back to true holiness. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And for the Pope, Pope Francis. <clears throat> I disagree with him a lot. I'm not happy with the way things are, but we need to, we need to pray for him. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, 
defend us in battle, be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I'll be back um, again. Uh, hopefully, I'll try to get that uh, that uh, St. Mark Bible study done. Uh, I know I haven't put out uh, another one lately, but I want to continue that. So let's continue that. Okay, God bless.